Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Brian Davis and Denny Suplee here from Spark Rental. Super excited to be with you on this election day Tuesday. Not that we're talking about anything political today. <laughs> Nada. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, we figure that you're probably sick of hearing about the election. We're certainly sick of hearing you know people's political opinions being you know thrown like grenades at each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good so, way to put it. Yeah. All right. So, so today we are focusing on the basics. You know, getting back to the fundamentals here. We're talking all about real estate contingencies in your sales offer contracts. So last week, Denny talks on a slightly related note about whether it makes sense for you to get your real estate license if you're an investor. Some of the, the advantages and disadvantages that come with that. And this week, it's all about contingencies in your sales contracts and your offers. So, you know, we have with us a, a resident expert <laughs> <laughs> on real estate contracts. Uh, Denny is not only a landlord and property manager, but she's also a licensed realtor. So she has written more than her fair share of contracts over the years. So as you guys join us, just let us know where you're tuning in from. Love to hear from you. Let us know your questions as you uh, join us here on the podcast. And without further ado, Denny, let's jump in and just first explain what what is a contingency for anyone who's, who's new to real estate or real estate investing. Basically, a contingency is a condition um, that has to be met in some way, shape, or form in order for the actual property to go to the settlement table to settle. And, and it can be almost anything. I mean, really, anything from the typical mortgages, uh, inspection appraisal, home, ins- home inspections and whatnot, to some crazy um, things that people will put in, you know, I want to. I just had one where somebody wanted to put in that he could put in a fence on a condo property. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it could be anything. Right. So it allows either party, you know, depending on the contingency, it allows one of the parties to to back out of the contract with no penalty. Right. Um, if if that contingency turns out to be true, so you know, for buyers, that means getting back their earnest money deposit. Um, in, in full if a contingency is met. So uh, contingencies can protect both the buyer or the seller. You know, tell us a little bit about how that works and, and some, some of the most common contingencies and how they affect buyers here. Well, the contingencies are good for, a, let's start with a buyer, like a home inspection contingency. If, God forbid, something comes up that you don't see with the eye that a home inspector picks up that could be tens of thousands of dollars, you either help with the price of the property or you back out of the contract and run. Um, so that gives you that ability. It also, um, home inspection clauses typically help people to get a bit more time as well. Um, I've seen a lot of professional like investors use it to get actual contractors in there just to take a look around and make sure it's invest worthy, 
even if they don't have an official home inspection. So it's kind of a good clause for everybody to use. Now, when we talk about these, please keep in mind that if your location like mine is in a really big seller's market, less contingencies usually make the deal go through. So, you know, keep that in mind as you're writing deals in in tough areas. Right. So that's a great point that, you know, if you're a buyer and you include 10 different contingencies in your contract, the seller looks at that and sees an offer with a very low chance of actually getting to the settlement table. And it can spook the seller and encourage them to choose a different offer that they have, uh, potentially even a, a lower offer from someone who actually looks like they're going to make it to the settlement table. So you can overdo it here with contingency. Yes. It can scare away sellers. So just something to keep in mind as a, as a buyer and investor. So Denny, tell us a little bit about the fi- financing contingencies because this is one of the most common contingencies out there to protect buyers in case they their financing falls through. I mean, this is something that you really want to look at, especially the sellers. You want to really look at what the interest rate. I don't know how many times I'll see somebody put like the low maximum interest rate in and we're at a time where it's, you know, all over the place and then the interest rate goes up higher. A a buyer can technically pop out of that contractor, that contract, sorry, if, if the interest rates go past what their minimum or maximum was in the um, contract. So you want to make sure and look at it to see, um, is this an investor loan? Is this a owner-occupied loan? These are all important things because if somebody goes in and starts and, and checks off owner-occupied and then decides, no, I'm going to make this a, an investment property, it could mess up the whole contract And then, you know, come commitment time, you're there holding the bag. So it delays a sale and it leaves a seller having to now put it back on the market. So just be looking at, just look at all the types of mortgage and, you know, if it's going FHA, there's some other things that you you have to make sure and, and check off. So it's very important to look at the details with, especially with a mortgage um, clause or contingency. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning to anyone who has not bought a lot of properties that financing falls through all the time. It's true if you're talking about uh, investment property loans. It's true if you're talking about homeowner mortgages. Financing falls through all the time. And you know what else is something, I'm sorry, I mean to interrupt you, but when a home inspection goes under, it's it's like 10 days in maybe, 10, 15 tops. When a mortgage commitment doesn't come through, you could be in this already for over a month and then find this out. So that that's all marketing time. And in the kind of marketing, in the t- period of uh, the, our housing market is in right now, we don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. So waiting for a commitment and having it fall through could be dire in a situation. For the seller. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or well, for, for both. Yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah. All right. So moving on to appraisal contingencies. I mean, that is also a, a common one. So my first of all, well, tell, tell us what an appraisal contingency is, and then I've got a follow-up question about whether it's even worth including one. But uh, start, start with explaining exactly what an appraisal contingency is. 
Uh, an appraisal contingency is usually when you have somebody come out and a, a professional appraiser, not just like a realtor coming out and comping it out, um, and they give an opinion of price on the property. And most often this is done when there is some type of financing involved. And if it – go ahead. No, I was just going to comment that uh, lenders all require an appraisal, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're yes. looking at a hard money lender or a – a conventional homeowner loan, um, they all require an appraisal no matter what. Absolutely. And, and they want to protect their investments. So, Well, right. And they need to know that the property they're lending money against is actually worth the purchase price. So if the appraisal comes in underneath the purchase price, then the lender will, instead of basing their loan on the purchase price, they'll base it on the appraisal amount, which mm-hmm. means that the buyer has to cough up more money for the down payment. Or lower the price, you know, either way it's, and right now there with bidding wars and stuff, uh, I'm seeing properties going for 15% more than the asking. And a lot of them aren't appraising. So got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially when you bid over the asking price, Mm -hmm. you do run the risk. The property will not appraise. So my question to you, Denny is, is it worth including a separate appraisal contingency in your contract offers if you're already including a financing contingency, which you know covers the, the broader issue of your financing falling through. I think it does for several reasons. I mean, if an appraisal contingent, if a loan falls through because uh, the appraisal is not meeting the mark, that's one thing. But if it, if it does, if the actual sale price, I don't know how I'm going to explain this so I can get it right here. If the loan purchase amount meets the appraisal amount, but the actual sale price doesn't, you have to think long term. You know, in markets and everything else, are is this property going to be keep its value? Not that any of us know that, but if it's already a bloated price, and you're only, you know what I mean? I'm not explaining it right, guys, and I'm sorry, but I do. <laughs> you're I do believe up to become upside down. On your, yes. on, your, on your property. See, I knew he would do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, I put a separate appraisal contingency in all my contracts. I think it is important. Okay. All right. Well, so Denny, what are some other common contingencies that buyers and sellers should be aware of? Um, well, there is title. Um, you don't want to just blow past that. A lot of times, I mean, with commercial properties, a little bit different, but I had that when I had, I owned a bar and we sold the property and the people before us, there was something, there was a mark against it for a uh, bill that they owed. And so our money went in escrow until that could be taken care of by those people, which means finding them and the whole nine yards. So it's very important to have a contingency surrounding the title. You want to make sure it's clear. Um, home sale contingencies, I don't like them, <laughs> but they're necessary and they, you know, and that basically, yes, <laughs> it is. Um, and basically that means if your buyer doesn't sell his home, the deal goes, you know, and in a time like this where there's more buyers and sellers, you know, is it worth going through that? Because the bottom line is deals fall through on both ends. So why take that chance again 
Now, if we were in a different market, then I might think, okay, then you might want to do that. Um, there's condo docs. That's a big one. All of a sudden, you look at this big, massive pile of papers, and some people don't look at them, but you have to because you're signing that you agree to them, and there are rules to condos, and some some of them are crazy, crazy rules, and if you don't know it, and then all of a sudden you're living in the unit, and somebody tells you, you that's it, you got to follow the rules, so if you have a 70-pound cat, and they tell you you can only have a 20-pound cat, well, yeah. guess what, you know, so these are things that you have to pay attention to. Um, Flood insurance. If you're in a flood area, you want to make sure if to, that if you are, how much? That's expensive. Flood insurance is super expensive. So these are all things that you need to make sure that you're going to be okay with. And another one is boundaries. And I'm going to bring that up because I'm going through that now. Um, uh-huh. I'm in a mixed use property, and I didn't get. Um, the survey, the professional survey done. I should have because it's not mostly residential. It's not as much of an issue, but it still can be. But with commercial, it really can be an issue. And um, and I have a, a company that might be building a huge pharmaceutical company behind me, and they came and did a survey and are claiming now that some of my backyard is theirs. So, and had I had a professional survey, I would have known that ahead of time. So sometimes that's helpful as well. Well, Danny, are there any other comments or parting information that you want to uh, share before we wrap this episode up about real estate contingencies? They're important in a lot of cases. And I think that um, on the seller side, make sure you're reading through everything. Um, it's so easy to miss it. And it's important, like even what's included in the in the sale, read those condo docs and all the other things. And that people will write in contingencies. So don't think just because those big ones aren't checked that you're done. Go all the way to the bottom and see what's written in anywhere else um, because, you know, it's a contract. So, and it's for a, a significant amount. It's a oh, property. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So don't take it lightly. All right. Well, we will see you guys next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. In the meantime, uh, rate, review the podcast on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever you watch or listen. And send us your topics you want to hear about. We try to keep this all about what you want to listen to. So have a great week and go vote. Yes. <laughs> See you later. Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.